0: This program is brought to you by the Genesis Communications Network, a world leader in talk radio since 1998. Visit GCNlive.com today.
1: Oh, no, not again. Southern Turkey hit by an earthquake. And then the president to the surprise trip to Kiev under the dark of Cover. Who knew? Not very many people. Hey, everybody. Kate Delaney, thanks so much, as always, for hanging out with us here on this show. He didn't hang with too many people. It was a big photo op for sure. And the first time that we've had an American president in a war-torn situation in a very, very long time. Unprecedented risk, that's for sure. Absolutely historic. Some say not so smart. Others say thumbs up. The reaction mixed As expected on the Hill. What do you think? Here's what President Biden had to say once he had the time after touring a memorial wall and parts of Kiev meeting with President uh, Zelensky over in Ukraine. Here was some of his words. One year ago this week that we spoke on the telephone,
2: Mr. President. It was very late at night in Washington, very early in the morning here in Kiev. Russian planes were in the air and tanks were rolling across your border. You told me that you could hear the explosions in the background. I'll never forget that. And the world was about to change. I remember it vividly. Because I asked you, I asked you next... I you, what is there, Mr. President? What can I do for you? How can I be of help? And I don't know if you remember what you said to me, but you said, and I quote, gather the leaders of the world, ask them to support Ukraine. The world was literally at the time bracing for the fall of Kyiv seems like a lot longer ago than a year but think back to that year perhaps even the end of Ukraine you know one year later Kiev stands and Ukraine stands democracy stands the Americans stand with you and the world stands with you
1: so as I mentioned that was part of what the president had to say, very cloak and dagger moves that made this work for Biden to sneak into Ukraine's war zone. Let's face it, a news blackout, which is incredibly unusual. And it, it was slipping out of Washington, not even on Air Force One, taking a train from Poland. I guess this was being planned for about a, a week An air raid siren erupting as he was walking through the uh, capital city, which, of course, signaling that a Russian military jet armed with missiles had taken off from its home territory. Uh, There were certainly risks for the president to be in this situation, no matter what the, the secret service does. And they do incredible work to try to secure the area. Biden told his aides months ago that he wanted to travel to Ukraine, but he only made the final decision on Friday after a last minute huddle, apparently in the oval office office and a phone call with his uh, national security cabinet. And then they put this plan in motion that, uh, was holding down close information. Just two journalists were were even summoned and told of the trip so they could, p- could prepare to be on it. And they were told to watch for an email with the subject line, arrival instructions for the golf tournament. And then there would be these further instructions as to what they were supposed to do. So Saturday night, it was very routine for the president. And he was supposed to go to Poland to mark Ukraine's war uh, his first anniversary, but that trip was not scheduled to start until Monday, and he did what he normally does. There was a, a mass at Georgetown University, a, a visit to the National Museum of American History, and all of that. So anybody following along would think that nothing unusual was, was happening here. And then from the White House, there were only a few people that went with the president, too. The deputy chief of staff was one of them, uh, the director of Oval Office Operations, and and uh, one other, and that's it. There was a small medical staff. There was uh, bare bones, this this operation. And like I said, no Air Force One, instead an Air Force C-32, which usually is utilized to go into smaller airports, The plane sat in the dark, the shades were drawn away from the tarmac where it's usually parked for presidential travel, and it took off at 4.15 a.m., 22 hours, that's the journey, right? So normally that would be planes and motorcades and all that kind of stuff, and it did involve some of that, but as I said, very subdued, and go to Poland, and then ultimately go to Kiev for meeting President Zelensky. And in the war zone, but Biden feeling that it was important to make the trip because of what he said was the critical juncture that uh, we find ourselves in as we approach that one year anniversary of Russia's full scale invasion of uh, Ukraine. So after uh, this trip, you know, you you just it boggles my mind to think of how to try to pull this off with so much press normally around, especially but on that train, heavy security, just a couple of onlookers, that's it. Eight-car train just rumbling through the Polish-Ukrainian countryside for 10 hours, mostly in the dark, just street lights off in a distance. That's it. A couple of stops to pick up security, personnel along the way, and that was all it took. And so then it's the bigger part of this. It's not just about how was this pulled off, but... Was it a a journey that was worth it? And what does it say about the United States and the investment in uh, Ukraine and and what's happening with um, Russia and the fact that we are turning the corner on one year, one year and just enduring support for Ukraine Enduring support for Ukraine and the announcement, of course, of more money for the Ukrainians, 460 million more in aid, but still nothing of the F-16s, which is what President Zelensky has signaled they really, really need. He's not gone in that direction, but has promised money for other aid and has said That uh, Washington will back Ukraine against Russia for as long as it takes. There are some people in America that uh, think with the no near term prospect of peace talks that some of that support is some Americans are kind of waning on this, that it's just too much. You know, more Americans are saying that it's too much aid to this country. And so now there is starting to be a little bit of a partisan divide that we weren't seeing as much in the beginning. Pew Research has the numbers. I'm going to tell you about that coming up, plus that earthquake in Turkey and what's happening on the ground in the U.S. On the flip side...
4: My name is Milan Vukovic. Ten years ago, I got frustrated with the quality of Pau Diarco tea sold in the stores. So, I founded the Pau Diarco Tea Club that now ships our Super Tea to over 100 countries. You too can order or get info about the original Pure Pau de Arco Super Tea at www.drinksupertea.com or by calling 818-965-9113. Why settle for less when you can order original Pure Pau Diarco and Drink Super Tea for only thirty-four ninety-five per pound plus shipping? Each pound makes 300 cups, which is the equivalent of 12 cents per cup for the original Pure Pau Diarco Super Tea. Order now at www.drinksupertea.com. That's drinksupertea.com, or by calling 818-965-9113. That's drinksupertea.com or by calling 818-965-9113. I've got a song I ain't
7: got no melody I'm gonna sing it to my friends I've got a song I ain't got no melody My friends,
4: when I go round and circle
3: Yeah, in this country, we go around in a lot of
1: circles, that's for sure. Remember, we still have the unofficial poll that we kicked off the other day. Should we pay for some F-16s? It's funny because, of course, I had no knowledge of the president's secret trip to Kiev. And then, boom, just as I'm speaking, he's on that train and then arriving in, in Kiev. And then finally, that information starts to flow out, by the way. The Russians were notified several hours, just several hours before he was there, to be told, the military to be told uh, to be on high alert, so to speak. In other words, back off, Jack. The president is in Kiev, and you don't want to be lobbing a missile there just in case. They didn't say that specifically, but just warned that he was going to be there. All right, speaking of warnings, we're going to get into the Turkey thing, plus if you live in the Minneapolis, that would be Minneapolis, they're making 1,600 free parking spots available because they think they're going to get a foot of snow coming up in the next couple of days. Got an ice storm smashing into Michigan. Wisconsin heavy snow and ice. You get it. A winter storm. Watch 38 Michigan counties especially are going to get completely slammed. A lot of the the wet stuff and the white stuff across a swath, I like that word, swath of the United States. Um, Meanwhile, in Florida, the temperature has been turned up. It's going to be 90 in Orlando on Wednesday. So more about Americans, you and me, and there's other people I know from other countries that are listening too, and their countries are discussing aid and how much they're giving and what's happening uh, there. But As we're getting close to that first anniversary, and some of the support is waning for the Ukraine, this poll from the Pew Research Center, which, remember, is supposed to be balanced. It's not slanted right or left or in in any way. It's just the stats, and that's that. So... The poll found that about a quarter of Americans now say the U.S. is providing too much support to Ukraine, up six points in September, 19 since March, which would be shortly after the war started. 31% say it's giving the right amount. One-fifth of Americans would like to see the United States give Ukraine additional assistance. One-fifth, according to this poll. Remember, this is a poll. Over 20% said they weren't sure that tells you something. People kind of, eh, I'm not, eh, you know, I'm not sure, right? So, the share of Americans who believe the United States has provided too much support through economic assistance and weapons is a greater among Republicans, forty percent. But Republican leadership is pretty divided. You know, before he was the House Speaker, Kevin McCarthy warned that a Republican-controlled House would oppose more aid for Ukraine. A lot. He said that a couple, I remember he said it a couple of times. Meanwhile, you've got Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, who's pretty solid with his support of uh, Ukraine. Says it over and over and over and over and over again. So McConnell, in fact, has said that the United States and our friends and our partners have done enough to prevent Ukraine from losing, but we're not done We've not yet done enough to help Ukraine actually win. he said that last week and he said a protracted stalemate and this is an interesting this is an interesting thing that he said a protracted stalemate is neither in Ukraine's interest nor ours so think about that for a minute what happens if they're out? What happens if they lost Russia takes over what does that mean especially. Since now, we've seen it's Russia against a big chunk of the world, right? Most of the world. And then here you have the president who supports the effort with 31 premier battle tanks, the M1 Abrams, which is top of the line, and Congress approving... The $110 billion in aid since the war began last February, but still none of those F-16s because that's really what Zelensky says they really, really need to stop part of what's happening with Russia, what Russia's lobbying at them. So where the hesitation has, the line has been some of the bigger ticket items, the Patriot missile system, which is the most advanced air defense weapon in the United States arsenal that we have. So that hasn't happened. And, um, and like I said, those, those jets, of, of course, and this is one of the pleas of Zelensky, provide greater support and not back down in the face of any kind of Russian aggression. In fact, making that appeal, if you remember in person before a joint meeting of Congress in December saying your money is not charity. It's an investment in the global security and democracy that we handle in the most responsible way. And that was part of McConnell and what he was saying. Is this an investment in global security and democracy that we can't afford to lose? That a protracted stalemate, as McConnell said, is not in Ukraine's interest, of course, but not in ours either. But do Americans really feel that way? Or are they just fatigued with all of that conversation? It is an interesting question. Look around your neighborhoods. Are there Ukrainian flags? We support Ukraine. In the beginning, you really saw a lot of that. I'm still seeing, seeing some of the flags, and I'm seeing local stories in the state of Florida. Uh, I saw it in Texas. I saw it in South Carolina when I was recently there. So it's a, I think it's a coin flip in some places. Turkey. It's no coin flip. It's just shocking. Rocked by 6.3 magnitude quake. This is two weeks after the ground trembled. Killing more than 45,000 people. Really closer to 50,000. But officially... 45,000. And now they say more people will be found dead, but not on the scale of what happened initially in the beginning of February. But you did have buildings swaying, you did have people uh, trapped, you did have some people that were trapped inside already damaged buildings. Officially, Three people were killed, 213 injured. An aid group with workers in Syria said people jumped from buildings in panic. Because when that's happened, after everything they've been through, the shock of it all, they just jumped. Just jumped. They are shaken to their core. Shaken to their core by what? they are seeing and what they are uh feeling and then here's the thing buildings that survived including in in the area where they're still digging digging out bodies uh may have been weakened and collapsed and uh especially with this latest quake which they're looking for shelter not good and of course The U.S. is providing assistance since the first round of quakes. You had the Secretary of State who took a helicopter tour Sunday of some of the worst areas and pledged $100 to help that area. But I think the really scary and, and shocking thing is that most of the injuries were a result of people panicking, that people jumped for fear of their buildings collapsing. And luckily, they... They weren't, any of the, they weren't any of the deaths, but they were some that were seriously injured, right? And, you know, you've got about 1.6 million people that are right now housed in some temporary shelters. This is some of the worst devastation that we have seen from afar in a very, very, very long time. So that was back in February six when you had the 7.8 quake that slammed into southern Turkey. And then hours later, 7.5, just about 60 miles away. And then all those aftershocks that uh, really rocked the uh, the worlds of the people in that tiny slice of Syria and uh, Turkey. So here it is, weeks later, a lot of people in the streets still without shelter. Lots of Americans, a lot of great organizations going to help doing whatever they, they can and also trying to assess the damage level of buildings, which is a very tough task to do. You've got to make quick evaluations and a limited number of experts. So actually, we've sent some experts to help in that area, too. It's not just search and rescue. It's not just feeding and humanitarian aspects of it it's structural engineers who are looking at buildings all right coming up next a conversation with ryan clark who's a chef from tucson arizona before the nascar race he threw down some pretty good recipes and so we're going to revisit that conversation and then talk about the winter weather Brr.
3: USA News Update. Flood alert still for California as more rain is on the way. The National Weather Service issuing a flood watch for nearly the entire coast of California, from Reading to San Diego and the Mexico border, putting about 37 million residents on alert. The U.S. conducting strikes against Houthi anti-ship cruise missiles and vessels on Saturday, including an unmanned underwater vessel the Iranian-backed rebel group has used. Five strikes in total were conducted against three anti-ship cruise missiles, one unmanned underwater vessel, and one unmanned surface vessel. Former President Jimmy Carter marking one year in hospice care yesterday, his family celebrating his strength. Jimmy Carter right now 99 years old, the oldest living U.S. president in history. Corey Myers, USA News.
1: The 65th annual Daytona 500. Boy, is it right upon us right now. So that means you're probably planning for tailgating, at-home watch parties, all that kind of cool stuff. I, I know I am. I'm excited about it. Chef Ryan Clark, I'm also excited about him joining us moments from now. Tucson's Iron Chef for three consecutive years. Executive Chef for the AAA, Ford Diamond, and Forbes Four Star Hotel, Casino del Sol. So he's at the Daytona international speedway home of the beef it's what for dinner 300 think about that what's for dinner 300 Ooh, that sounds so good so chef thanks for coming on thanks for having me tell us about the beef it's what's for dinner 300 i love it it just rolls off the tongue
6: yeah, we're we're super excited to be here. So um, we've got a lot of amazing tailgate recipes. You know, I think a racing season um, beef is the first thing that comes to mind. So we put together a few recipes that uh, you can make for your tailgate or if you're at home and you're doing a little home gating.
1: So obviously you've got some game dishes for us. What game dishes are you planning to prepare this NASCAR season?
6: Yeah, so we got this really good one. It's called beef, beer, and cheese dip. So beef being the star. Um, we're using ground beef for that. It's really hearty and delicious, um, perfect for tailgate. So you can use tortilla chips to dip, but my go-to French fries. You get those little cheesy fries with the ground beef on it. And we also have a barbecue beef slider. So these sliders are made with short rib. Um, it's one of my favorite cuts. Um, we slow cook the short rib in barbecue sauce and a little bit of beef stock. Super flavorful and just falls apart tender.
1: Ooh, cheesy french fries. I can't get it out of my head. How do we make that?
6: um well you start with a a good base with your uh cheese sauce um and we we make that with a little bit of cream and a couple different types of cheese um and then ground beef that's a star so a little bit of ground beef i like to use my own seasoning blend but you could use taco seasoning um, to season up the beef and then you just blend the two together Um, you can top it off with jalapenos and make it fun kind of whatever kind of condiments that you like
1: Ooh, that sounds so good can you share some tips chef to help anyone prepare the perfect tailgate spread you just gave us one of them
6: yeah, if you're doing tailgate, I think it's important to plan ahead. So uh, make sure that you have you know all your prep done. That way you can enjoy the festivities, enjoy you know family and friends. Make sure you prepare plenty of food. That's always very important. Um, and then you got to get into the tools. So if you're cooking outside, having a canopy is a really good idea. You know, in case you have weather come up. Uh, big ice chest full of ice. Um, and then if you're grilling, it's important to have a thermometer. Um, instant read thermometer is really nice for grilling burgers. You can get that perfect 160 degree on it. Or if you're doing steaks for a bunch of different people, you can cook it to the temperature that they like. And then I also like to bring extra utensils. Uh, I think that's super important, especially if you're cooking off-site and you're tailgating and you're not at home. That way, if you drop a utensil, um, you've got plenty of backup. Um, Just a few tips and tricks uh, for your next tailgate.
1: Yeah, and you're good at this. What are some other tips for making your dollar really stretch when you're hosting a party or feeding a big crowd like I always have a big crowd?
6: Yeah, there's, you know, there's different cuts for different budgets. So um, when you're at the grocery store, I look for good deals. Ground beef beef is always a good value buy, Um, but you could also substitute cuts. So we talked about the short rib slider. Um, You could certainly use a chuck roast. It's going to be a little bit less expensive, but it's going to be super flavorful and it's going to fall apart in that same style when you low and slow braise it.
1: Ooh, sounds awesome. I'd be remiss not to ask you this because I'm so excited about Casino del Sol. I um, am anxious to go there and try it, and you have such a great reputation. But did you ever think that you would end up when you were at culinary school in the position that you're in now?
6: <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, I went to school in, in New York at the CIA, um, and I made it back to Tucson, um, which which is an amazing place to live. Um, Casino del Sol is a, obviously a big resort, and, and we got a lot to offer there.
1: Wow. All right. So where can our listeners go to learn more about what we've just talked about and see your recipes?
6: Yeah. So we have a bunch of recipes, tips and tricks. You go to beef. It's what's for dinner.com. All right. Chef Ryan
1: Clark, we'll keep looking for you. Thanks so much.
6: I appreciate you. Thank you.
1: Think about that beef, beer and cheese dip. It's still like in my mind and especially with the cheese fries that he said it was his favorite way you you know not all cheese fries are created equal so i have to like run probably around the neighborhood three or four times before I eat cheese fries because I remember the days when, yes, beer and cheese fries were, it's what's for dinner and for tailgates, it is a really, really good thing. By the way, just a quick aside, I said this the other night, Ricky Steinhouse Jr. won the Daytona 500. It was, we're talking about a 199 race winless Streak. He hadn't won in that long. Victory Lane for the first time since 2017. And wow! So a big, big moment for him. It's the Super Bowl of NASCAR because you start with the big event and then the other races along the way. This is just the beginning of the the season, and he had long odds. You know, he was like 33, 34 to one. I think at um, kind of midway through this to win it. He certainly was not one of the favorites, but that's a very, very big win, just as a quick aside for uh, him think he's worried about snow but there is snow my friends that is covering so many areas of the of the u.s and in minneapolis they know they're really going to get socked with it when you're talking about people that are used to a lot of snow so much so that when the and it's been a long time the last time that i was in a winter situation in minneapolis i remember thinking what are these sticks because you go to the store and you get sticks and you put them on the outside of your property where the road is so you know where the road is because it could get so buried in snow. Well, the the forecast is for, like I said, a foot of snow by Thursday. So there's going to be people that are going to be in tough situations there, but at least there's some warning. And if it doesn't turn out to be quite as much, you know, that's... That's fine, I'm sure, but you got uh, ice storms, like I said, with Michigan, Wisconsin's going to see a lot of that heavy snow. So this is what I call the brace for it, the brace for it, period, because you, you have some warning that this massive storm is moving. And it's moving toward where you may be, particularly in the Midwest. But not just the Midwest; it's going toward the Northeast too. But I think the Midwest is going to get it, uh, the the worst of of every place on the map that I can see because I keep looking at the map and I keep seeing um, how it, you know, where it's going. In fact, it, like, I keep going back to Minneapolis. They're asking everyone who can move their cars off the streets completely, just do it. Because they know, they just know. Snow removal, it's going to be a challenge because streets are going to get plowed. How many neighborhoods can they get into to be able to to do that, right? So getting ahead of it is key. And they're doing the same thing in Wisconsin. They're doing the same thing in uh, Michigan. They're doing the same thing in Illinois trying to forecast what is it that we're going to see and how can we quickly get to this. And then there's going to be other areas where, of course, you turns to that slick stuff where you get some of the rain, too, as well. And then it's crazy because in the south, particularly in Florida, you know, you're talking about you're talking about getting. Uh, temperatures in the upper 80s and even into the 90s, so even into the 90s. So while that's going on, good for Michigan State. Michigan State students said they weren't ready to return to classes after uh, a man killed three students and wounded five back on February 13th, but there were people at Michigan, you know, at uh, Michigan State that said I- it's about getting back to class that if you get back to class it, it's, it's terrible it's a struggle but everybody's going to be on edge anyway and, um, and it's still they're still gripped with the grief of these kids that were so randomly shot And of the hospitalized students, one in fair condition, two in serious but stable, and two in critical condition as of Monday. As of Monday, that's where we are. So the atmosphere was kind of, from the descriptions that I've read, because I was very curious about that turnaround, was kind of a mix of normal and then just seeming like incongruous, Congruent, rather, with what was happening. You know, there's the flow of of what you'd normally see on a campus. So students coming out of a a classroom building with their headphones on and, you know, texting because everybody, of course, always has their screens in front of them and signs that said Spartan Strong and um, big hugs and, you know, signs all over the place. Welcome home Spartans and uh, that kind of thing. But the parking lots were full And, um, just really, really, really sad. You know, the university knew it wasn't going to be business as usual, but felt like we got to come together and that coming together, let people heal at their own pace, but we've got the environment to try and do what we can do. And their spring break starts on March 6th. So they didn't want to have to keep students out until after that week, um, and not have to modify too much, and because then you've lost time with the classes being shut down after the shooting, and then trying to work with other students with hybrid class situations and and whatnot. I mean, you know what what would they possibly be going through? It's going to take a while for for that to heal, especially anybody. ...who knew any of the students that were, uh, obviously, that were were hit. I say this all the time, and I don't want to sound like a broken record, but for God's sake, it's the worst. When you can't go to a mall, you can't go to church, you can't go to a college campus, and you're just sitting in a night class, and someone opens fire, and and your world is shattered just like that, on a dime. Mm. Your thoughts, in fact, some of them with the kids at MSU. Coming up next, we hit the mailbag. Ever feel completely down on your luck, whether it's your career or just your life? Do you look at other people and wonder, why them, not me? I'm Kate Delaney. I did it. I admit it. I've learned some valuable and priceless lessons from some of the rock stars I've interviewed over the years, like Sir Richard Branson or the late, great John Madden, and I want to share them. Want to laugh? Want to learn? Want more out of life? Then pick up a copy of my book, Deal Your Own Destiny, Increase Your Odds, Win Big, and Become Extraordinary. Get it on Amazon today.
4: The Tahibo Tea Club's original pure Powdy Arco Super Tea naturally builds good cells and
6: kills bad cells. So it's great for healthy people and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting an infection, diabetes, or cancer. To order, visit DrinkSuperTea.com or call 818 965 9113. That's DrinkSuperTea.com. 818 965 9113. DrinkSuperTea.com.
4: The final phase of extermination is set to commence now. And as population die-off becomes evident, you know it is the time of punishment in all that is written. The cover for mass die-off is evolution and global warming frauds, also used as false proof of their Christ. They are from the lines that were disinherited 2,000 years ago. Now they claim to be his Christ, based upon blood type, DNA, and long lifespan. Go to unveilingthem.com. That's U-N-V-E-I-L-I-N-G-them.com.
0: Mail, please, Mac. I'm dying to talk about the mail for you all day, okay? Oh, yeah. Let's
1: stick in the mail, Let's in the mail Let's it. Yeah. Alright, we didn't have to dig very far. Bob in New Orleans says, Kate, what in the world was Sleepy Joe thinking going to Ukraine? I'm not against support for the Ukrainian people. I won't even tell you what I think of Putin and Russia. I don't agree with People that are all of a sudden waving Russian flags in this country. Ridiculous. But I think it was risky what he did. It might have taken guts in one way, but walking in a war zone could have been disastrous for the United States. Doing it undercover was, I guess, smart. Slipping out of Washington in the dark without notice. However, I think it, again, was very, very, very... Um, risky and could have been disastrous in many ways, including for um, the head of the Ukrainian government, if something had happened to Biden, they were pretty much side by side. So can you imagine it? I think somebody should have taken Putin out a long time ago. obviously, he is got the most secure. Guards around him that one could have in that uh, position, because I think, as I've heard you say, he's a megalomaniac and he has done nothing to really help the people of Russia, in my opinion. Well, I'm going to agree with you not helping the Russian people because they're in a communist country. He he is the dictator. He's he's setting the rules. He's setting the table along with oligarch buddies who are benefiting and then everybody else is getting squashed i mean when you're being told what to do and and what is being monitored as to what you're taking in it's like i say all the time as much as people can complain about media just media in general because there's all different forms of it and i get it with fake information and um, ridiculous nonsense that 's out there I mean it 's up to you to make up your mind, but at least we live in a free country where you can absorb what you want to absorb right where russia they don 't have a choice. they had state run media. The crap that Putin wants to say and how he wants to spin it is exactly the filter that they live under. We might have filters of a different sort you got to sort out which what 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 you think. But we live still in a, in a free country, and it's so much different. So, yes, absolutely. All right, I got this one from Max, who says, too much money. I um, Where I stand with the situation with Russia invading uh, Ukraine is, uh, of course, they're going to do that because he's territorial, and he's trying to leave a legacy and snap up whatever... Was Russian territory in the past, but now we're going into a year, and you think of the, some of the struggles we have in the United States where there's money that could be spent in better situations. I understand that we are the policemen of the world, and that certainly when it comes to humanitarian efforts. We're we're giving, 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 but at some point, there's going to be a breaking, breaking, breaking point, and where is that breaking point? And no F-16s. I think that would be a dangerous place to go for the United States. The training alone, as somebody who knows about planes, would Kate be just an undertaking that wouldn't be worth it in the first place? Um, well, yeah, that's the debate, right? Because the learning the F-16s, piloting it, and just plus, the, plus giving them the planes. You know, we're kind of at that cut line. And what is the cut line? How do you decide what the cut line is? Like, is Russia going to attack us? Do they have, does the megalomaniac, does he have a list of, okay, these are all the countries that are helping, and especially as powerful as the U.S. is, Well, let's just lop them off. Let's just lob something in their direction. Of course, to not have nuclear war and to skate up on that line is part of the game, right? But is there a line where Putin could be pushed over and the plane? Some people feel that the planes could be just that push, which, wow, to think about that. I I don't know that I believe that but there are reasons that's like putting all the chips on the table there's there's no question about that all right because in an effort to get everything in cuz you are also wonderful in sending me these emails i'm going to rip through a bunch of them joe on msu kate msu should never ever have happened i think at some point i mean is it going to be that we have practical lockdowns on college campuses, which they're too sprawling and would be ridiculous. I mean, what are we going to do? Wall people in to try to protect them? How this maniac uh, decides to pick MSU, there still is no motive that I've seen anywhere. And even if there was a motive, motive be damned, that should not have happened. I read the stories about the, the kids that were hit, the ones that survived and the ones who were killed, and I have a daughter that went to MSU, and she's devastated, and go Spartans. Um, yeah, Ghost Spartans. That was the message back at uh, school this week. Really, really heavy, heavy hearts. No no doubt. Keith wanted to talk about Jimmy Carter. He says, wow, it's got to be kind of a somber president's weekend for uh, the people in Georgia, but just in general because of Jimmy Carter and the fact that um, this is really the end, 98 years old. And I think there's things that people don't know about Jimmy Carter. I don't agree with uh, his policies, many of his policies when he was president. You said it best. I mean, Why did people of Republican Republicans and a uh, democratic presidents turned to him when they needed help overseas because of his manner, the way that he could talk to foreign leaders. So there was something about Jimmy Carter. And I think that there are people in Plains, Georgia that are proud of what uh, the Carter legacy in that sense has become. And uh, they're preparing for, the, the long goodbye, I suppose, to somebody who put them on the map, that area on the uh, the map. Yeah, you know, um, I saw something on Jimmy Carter, I think it was, it was today, it was today that I didn't realize, that he was an expert on, um, you know, here's our 39th president, okay, but he was an expert when he was a kid, he was in the Navy, and he was an expert when it came... Um, to nukes and what he had to do um, for his job in the Navy. And when he came out of the Navy, uh, so interesting to, to see that, to learn about that, right? So he wrote over 30 books, not all of them political, a lot of them uh, poetry and talking about other things he was an advocate for human rights and he uh, like i said had this amazing background as a younger man some of it that the naval career that i was i knew he was in the navy but i was unaware of some of the specifics of what he he did he was sent to the naval reactors branch of the atomic energy commission in dc for 3 months temporary duty and he there was an an accident with an experimental NRX reactor at the Atomic Energy of Canada's Chalk River Labs that caused a partial meltdown because the and then there were leaders of radioactive water that flooded the reactor's basement left the core ruined Carter had to go to was ordered to Chalk River to lead a US maintenance crew that joined other American and Canadian service people to assist in the shutdown of the reactor and he was key on that crew, right? And and he'd have to go in. He was lowered into the reactor for a few minutes at a time, and he was one of the main people so that he would be limited to radioactive... Activity while they were disassembling the crippled reactor. Can you imagine that? Like I said, I had no idea. All right. I'm going to squeeze another one in. And this one is from Nancy who says, take cover, folks. If you live anywhere in the northern part of the United States, because we're getting hit with it bad, you're going to be shoveling for quite some time. That's an easy prediction to make. As I know, I'm here in the Rocky Mountains. Thanks for all the emails. You can email me too, 24-7 Kate at com. Tip of the cap to Nathan Reeder. Excellent work as always on the technicals. You have a fine ear. And so do all of you for listening to this show. Make it count, everybody. Hi, this is Kate Delaney. I am truly amazed by this audience. Many of you have been reaching out to me to ask more on what I call the No Drone Zone. How do you find out about the show or listen to podcasts or guests or even my books? So here we go. Go to katedelaneyradio.com for more on what's shaking in my orbit. To reach me, simply hit the Contact tab and send an email. Behind the scenes photos, great video, travels, the dog. Yeah, that's Guinness. He is the mascot. Go to Kate Delaney fan page on Facebook. Kate Delaney fan page on Facebook. Or hit me up on Twitter at Kate S. Delaney. At Kate S. Delaney. For any of my books, including Deal Your Own Destiny, Amazon simply is the easiest. Thanks for listening as we talk about what's happening in my backyard and yours and how it affects us. We throw in laughs, cheap movie reviews, the man cave and authors with some interesting stories to tell. If you've already
3: forgotten everything I've just said, just go to katedelaneyradio.com.